Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. Today we're joined by Melissa Gage, founder of virtual assistant firm Spare My Time. Melissa spent 15 years working in the city and having two children to balance alongside work soon found herself pulled in different directions with various professional and personal responsibilities. Determined to create a solution for other professionals in a similar position, Melissa founded Spare My Time. Today, Melissa's company provides busy entrepreneurs and executives with administration, bookkeeping and social media marketing services. Melissa shares her advice on how being a fully flexible service provider pays dividends, how VAs can free up vital time for entrepreneurs to focus on building their startups, and why sheer grit and determination are so important to keep you going. Hi Melissa, it is great to have you on How to Startup. It would be wonderful if you could start with a brief introduction as to who you are and a little bit about your company. Hi, I'm Melissa Gage and I'm the founder of Spare My Time virtual assistants. When did you start Spare My Time? So I started Spare My Time in its first iteration in 2016. But since then, it's gone through a couple more iterations and is now nothing like what it started. And in 2020, so January 2020, I launched the virtual assistant service And from there, we've seen exponential growth. Obviously, this was before you knew the pandemic was going to happen. But why was it then that you decided to evolve the business? When I started the business back in 2016, my background is from the city. Uh, So I had a financial background and my last position was heading up a team in an investment bank. And when I had children, I wanted to create my own business. I wanted to have some freedom uh, in time. but I slightly went in with a bit of investment bankery view of what I was going to do. So I started up creating a platform that connected local businesses with um, homeowners. The, the problem was that what I learned over the subsequent years was that what people actually are lacking is time. You know, not really, I mean, contacts, yes, but time is a really, really precious resource. Well, I've learned the hard way that time is actually more valuable than revenue <laughs> in some instances. Absolutely. For small businesses, it's crucial. You know, what the assess- virtual assistance service was based on was the fact that people lack time and also skills, especially small businesses. Um, and lacking of either of those is incredibly overwhelming. So back in, you know, sort of a couple of years into my business, 2018, 2019, for a lot of kind of business related reasons, I kept changing my business, but also it became clear that these two things were limiting small business success. You know, I was in exactly the same camp. I didn't have enough time and I didn't have the skills. But also at the same time, it was quite hard to know where to go to to access more time and more skills. So that's where the root of the idea came from for uh, Spare My Time. 
And when we launched it in 2020, no, I absolutely had no idea that a global pandemic was about to start and virtual working was going to become a real thing. What really sparked me was that my children went to school and um, I'd been working in this small business world. I'd worked out that time and skills was lacking, but also then I was kind of thrown into this school community and I was surrounded by these incredibly skilled, intelligent people who were basically banished from the workplace because they didn't have flexibility to work around childcare. So anyone who's got kids at school knows that the school day tends to finish at three o'clock. Anyone in business knows that that's pretty much when you're kicking off your afternoon meetings. So, (laughs) you know, a lot of these people are being kicked out of the workplace, you know, for time and also, you know, finance. There's a a big balance between um, childcare costing more than flexible work costs. So, both of these two things came together uh, and at the beginning of 2020 I launched and, and thought right I want to I want to make a difference to the workplace both in terms of proving the virtual working can be done effectively but also to give this cohort of people who are excluded from the workplace an opportunity to continue with careers despite whatever it might be that's keeping them out of work and and then also to feed a massive passion of mine which is to support small businesses achieve their potential rather than hitting a glass ceiling because of the lack of time and skills. That's so interesting because, I mean, I found this in my last year and a half is that you have to wear so many hats. And a lot of people in the podcast have said this is like, know when to delegate, know when to pay somebody else who will be better at it than you. But when you're a tiny business with small budgets, you don't want to necessarily employ somebody full-time straight away. And if you can, you know, have that social media expert for four hours a week that's all you need and that's all you want to pay for but until now I haven't heard of this solution so it it must be game-changing for so many small businesses have you had some incredible feedback so far yes I think you know the, the the way that I look at it is to bring city caliber and city quality to small business because you know the it really frustrated me that really high quality support was a vestitude of large business. That seems incredibly unfair. But also, you know, you've got a budget constraint. So we, what I wanted to do was make it affordable and flexible and, you know, very heavy on the understanding front. Because, as you said, as a small business, you you, you spend a lot of your time learning and without that much support and it's incredibly disconcerting and it feeds anxieties you know another thing I feel very passionately about is mental health uh, both for my team but also for our clients and when you're constantly underachieving your expectations because you don't know what you're doing you are feeding anxiety. So what we really believe in is having enormous amount of flexibility for our clients who come in and you know think they want one thing, but being able to accommodate a, a kind of a spectrum of tasks that are relevant for small businesses. So the silos that we work in now are, are what I deem the, the key silos for small business support, which is we started with admin, uh, which is the obvious outsourcing mm-hmm. area, you know, those bits that you don't really need to to you know work your magic on. Uh, then we quickly added bookkeeping because, you know, I'm a finance geek and couldn't resist it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, marketing, this marketing element is, is a big area and, and one which is incredibly time consuming. So we started with copywriting, helping people with blogs, moving on to newsletters. And, and then at, at the end of last year, uh, we added social media support. So I 
taken a lot of advice of invest in people and just grow slowly. And I've had the luxury of being able to start a company with some savings at the beginning of pandemic where there was no fear of missing out because everything shut down. So I've learned that bandwidth thing. How have you managed to juggle bringing on talent in your team to support your clients and finding new clients and sort of convincing the new clients that this is a solution for them? So chicken and egg question, I suppose. (laughs) You know, I sort of, I just dived in and did my best. (laughs) You've just got to start, haven't you? Just got to really start. I mean, I think that I have a definite belief in doing the best that you can do, whatever it is. And and I expect that from my team and they expect that from themselves. So that bit was sort of relatively easy. And you have to be quite mercenary with it as well. Unfortunately, you know, not as a very mercenary person (laughs) you know you have to be quite tough and if it's not working it's not working and just not take it personally be kind and understanding but say look this is not working for either of us and that probably is the hardest thing to do but is the most beneficial and then I think you know if you do your best you listen to you know they're kind of two parts of your questions it's sort of the marketing side but also the management side you know both sides need listening is key because then you can be relevant to both parties if you do your best on both fronts then they tend to fall into place don't you our clients recommend us to new clients which is you know kind of the utopia of business Um, and um, our team are incredibly dedicated and hardworking, and uh, we have a fantastic community about you know, around our workplace, albeit virtual. So that is, um, it, it maintains itself as well because everybody feels supportive and, and that they have a place within the business. So it is a chicken and egg scenario, but the key is really that, you know, without an income, you don't have a business. So probably what you need to do, first of all, is focus on getting out there and winning some business. And in terms of the fact that your company culture is remote first, both with clients and your teams and yourself, how have you built your company culture with that in mind? By trying to be as understanding as possible, understanding, you know, why people might be working virtually, um, understanding their own pressures, being fair and just listening. You know, I'm very fortunate I've got a background in managing teams so managing teams is not something new for me so I wasn't having to learn a new skill ironically it's probably one of the skills that I actually did actually know how to do before I started this business but um you know that the essence of managing a team is you know trying to be fair trying to understand when things don't go right why have they not gone right because it's normally not what you think and and if you listen then you learn a lot um and you can never chastise yourself if you've been fair whereas you were always regretted if you jumped to conclusions and that tends to be the basic principle of managing people what platforms or tools do you use to manage a remote business it depends on what your business is so it for me you know we we are um working virtually and we use timekeeping software. So we use something called Harvest, which I love. We use bookkeeping software, Zero. So we're a Zero partner, which is just an incredible piece of kit. I highly recommend it to anybody who is. Yeah, I've started now. Every time I type the word Zero, meant to be with a Z, I now do it with an X. I'm so yeah. indoctrinated. <laughs> Yeah, that I do the same. It's not great when you've got small children, I can tell you. Yeah, no. but, um, yeah Zero is a, a, an amazing piece of kit. Uh, it continues to 
inspire and amaze me you know the the if ever there was a business that's worth watching at zero because the amount of development they do and listening to their clients they do is truly inspirational um so we use that a lot i mean we use all the other you know kind of mainstream we use instagram obviously all those social media platforms we lose a, a lot of planning type material so for social media, um, I'm a big fan of Later, which is a scheduling piece of kit. And then we've actually, last year, we did a big project of migrating all of the smaller pieces of software that we were using onto Microsoft. The, the thing that we've really worked out by trying to consolidate it is you save a lot of cost because each of these pieces of software cost about 20 quid a month. So if you can consolidate it down to one piece of kit that talks to, you know, talks to the different pieces and that's a really good thing what holes in the road would you flag to new founders if someone's about to start a company is there one piece of advice that you'd say watch out for this uh cash flow you know make sure you've got Ooh. enough cash and it's sort of six month runway or what is enough <sighs> it depends what part you are it, it, you know where you are in your business and what you're trying to do with your business you know if you're going to need a lot of investment then try and make sure that you've got and most people focus on making sure that they've got the money they need to help their business run, but they don't focus on the money they need to live. So, you, you know, you need to make sure that you've, you, you're covered on both sides of the equation. And then just make sure that you're always in a position that you know, you know, where your next meal is coming from. It's very, very easy to focus your cash flow on your business and not be aware of when, when you're running short. So I, would say six months, I'd say a year, I'd say if you're setting up a business, it normally takes two years to launch a business, three years to feel really comfortable with knowing what you're doing. If you were me, I launched my business in 2016. And uh, I didn't actually launch a business that worked until 2020. So it depends what you're doing. If you're focusing on something that you know really well, and you've got clients who's going to follow you and you can get that all signed up before you launch then that's a great a great bonus but you know one thing that's going to kill your business quicker than anything else is if you run out of money and it's you're so right it can add that layer of stress that you're almost constantly distracted by you can't just focus on getting the business done if you're constantly worrying about maybe I'm not going to make my mortgage payment next month how do you maintain or build your self-confidence when you've become self-employed Listen to the compliments you're given and believe them. Let yourself believe them. I think we're very critical of ourselves because as founders, you're always focused on the next thing. You, know, you might have had a great year, but you know we had a fantastic year last year, but I'm already focusing on this year. And I, I don't think at any one point in time, I've stopped to realize quite what we've achieved. Thank God one of my team who's been with me the whole way keeps saying, can you remember what we were doing two years ago? And that's great because it reminds me how much we've achieved. But it's very easy to believe in the things that you haven't done or what you would like to do better. But every time someone says something nice to you or it congratulates you on what you've achieved or built to that point in time, just take a moment to appreciate it and give yourself a kind of pat on the back. What do you enjoy the least about being your own boss? I mean, there's nothing I don't enjoy about being my own boss. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> In that case, um, we'll move on. Would you have advice about how to price your product or your service? Initially, see what other people are pricing and then 
change it. So when we started, we looked at kind of what the average price of admin VA was charging. And then we kept tweaking it. And then last year, we converted to being an agency, which took meant we could do lots of great things like, you know, all of our staff are now on payroll. Um, so they get pensions, holiday, um, you know, get treated properly as they deserve. Uh, but obviously, there's enormous cost in that. So charging out as a freelance admin VA is um, not appropriate. So you have to listen to, you know, how your business is is moving and how, what your customers are saying uh, and be realistic with yourself. You know, there's no way that we should charge the same as a normal um, admin VA because the quality of the service that we're providing and the flexibility of the service we're providing, not just in terms of, you know, the actual service provision, but in terms of, you know, if your chemistry isn't working with your VA, we move it around and all that kind of stuff. And I had a very interesting conversation both with um, the lawyer who we were using to do this conversion to an agency and my dad, who's an ex-venture capitalist, who just said black and white, you, you, you're really undercharging. So when, when the periods like that happen, don't be afraid to change. I was terrified about it. And I rather sheepishly told our clients that we're going to be increasing our prices by 30% and didn't lose one client and won a ton of business in the last quarter of last year, which completely surprised me. So I think just believe in yourself, be resilient, keep changing and and if you get it wrong change it again that's you know that's one of the joys of being your own boss and is there any last golden nugget piece of advice that you'd like to offer a new founder when starting a company it takes time it takes a lot of time and a lot of grim determination and from what i can work out the people who are successful are the people who are the last man standing so just keep going <laughs> i love that so true when I mean, you're sitting there at midnight going why am i doing this it's sort of <laughs> yeah having that grit is definitely something that you, you learn thank you melissa that i really appreciate all of your advice that you've just shared thanks so much for having me on if you'd like to contact melissa you'll find all of her details in the show notes along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared thank you for listening to how to start up I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.